The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host, and we're here to recap a wild Sunday of Week 12. Joining me to do so, as they do every single week for the rest of their lives, Ryan Wilson and John Breach. What's oh, up? I don't even, what? The rest of our lives? Did we sign up for that? I'm so hungover from Thanksgiving. That's the last thing I need to hear is I have to spend the rest of my life talking to Brinson on Sunday night. By the way, we got another firing. We did an emergency podcast, of course, on the uh, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia firings on Saturday. By the way, I'm sorry to interrupt you. You can you can promote this in a second. But when you led in with another firing, I thought you were going to be like, first we fired Sean Wagner McGuff, and now we're going to fire John <laughs> Brees. <laughs> we're going to get to Sean Wagner McGuff and how he, he was fired by CBS several months ago for his terrible takes, uh, and yet still keeps sending them to a, a text thread with us. Like, move on, pal. Come on. What are you doing? Uh, anyway, I sidelined, I sidetracked you. Go ahead. It's your fault. By the way, uh, speaking of sidetracking, if you want to keep focused, laser locked, keep the ball in front of you, keep your eye on the ball when it comes to the NFL, you want CBS Sports' daily NFL newsletter, the pick six newsletter curated, created, drafted, crafted by the one, the only John Breach. Go to cbssports.com slash newsletters. And you can get four days a week of breach and like one day of rotated guest or Cody Benjamin. I read it. Yeah, it is Cody Benjamin rotated guest. He handles it with class. Uh, it is a must read newsletter. I gave a winning parlay this week in the newsletter. That's one reason you should go in and read it. What was the winning parlay? Uh, it was three team money line with the Packers, the Giants, and I think the Chiefs. It paid out plus 136. Nice picks. Did you all bet? money ones. All money ones. The prop, the prop bet was Brandon Allen under on passing yards. <laughs> the prop bet was Kendall Hinton under on passing yards. It was right. more more interceptions than completions. Under on completions. One. <laughs> um, you won. You pushed. Uh, let's get to the football. We're going to skip the typical Sunday night recap that we like to open with because Sunday night was hot doo-doo. And we'll get to the good football first. Chiefs, 27 Bucks 24, the Buccaneers cover plus three and a half, the under 56 and a half hits. Tyreek Hill goes B-A-N-A-N-A-N-A-S. Close, close enough. 
44 fantasy points, 58 in uh, in a league I'm in. I'm against him in a, in a, in a league that awards bonuses for long touchdowns and, and going over 100 points. Patrick Mahomes, 36 fantasy points. Tom Brady, 27 fantasy points. This game felt like a more dominant performance than the final 27-24 score let on. Tyreek Hill had 200 receiving yards in the first quarter. Mahomes and Tyreek were absolutely torturing Carlton Davis, just picking on the poor guy from Auburn. It is the most yard, most receiving yards in a quarter in the past 30 years, surpassing George Kittle from 2018, Kevin Curtis of Philadelphia in 07, and Lee Evans of 06. In 06 with the Bills had it as well. Remember Lee Evans? Um, it was one of the historically great fantasy games. I looked this up on, uh, cause I was being asked about it by some friends. I think it's like a top 25 all time fantasy game or somewhere thereabouts. The greatest fantasy game ever by a player, according to pro football references scoring, as you can sort that way. Clinton Portis, 2003. For the Broncos against the Chiefs when he ran 20, carried the ball 22 times for 218 yards and five touchdowns. The greatest game, uh, fantasy game by a receiver in the history of football. Who would you guess it is? Jerry Rice. Randy Moss. Jerry Rice it is. What? Yes. 1995 against the Vikings. He had 14 catches. 289 yards and, uh, three touchdowns. A three. I thought he had five. He held, I think I he had know. a five touchdown game though for okay, sure. I thought he did. Yeah. Yeah. He, had a, he has a couple good games because I actually looked up, uh, the most receiving yards in one game. Do you know who, who holds that record? Single game receiving yards? Yes. Flipper Anderson. Right. Number two is Megatron. And if you look at it that way, so Tyreek had 203 yards in the first quarter. I'm really unimpressed by my quick Flipper Anderson answer. There. Oh, I'm guessing you looked it up, right? During the game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which was 336, I think is what he had, which is, that's B-A-N-A-S as well. But in, in that light, Tyreek Hill just took off the last three quarters because he only had, I think he finished with 270 or something, maybe less than that. Um, but yeah, impressive. And you have to wonder what Todd Bowles is doing because this has been a recurring team where they play a lot of this, this zone defense. Well, I think they were playing man against Hill on those big bombs on the bombs they were, but there's a lot of underneath stuff. That I, I saw a lot of Buccaneers fans complaining about, and he just seems dead set on not changing. We talked about it last week. Well, we talked about it for the last three weeks, actually, because they have now unsuccessfully trotted out a defensive game plan for their specific opponents in three straight weeks. I mean, they got thrashed by the Saints three weeks ago when they played that soft zone, and Drew Brees just picked him apart. He just, the problem is when you're playing Patrick Mahomes, you can't do what Todd Bowles wants to do, which is blitz and generate pressure. So your team has to get home by itself. And if you play man, then these guys are just flying around. If you play zone, you just each up. I don't know if there's a good answer to stopping Patrick Mahomes, but the Bucks didn't have it either way. They did a little better pressuring Patrick Mahomes later in the game, and that's why the, the Chiefs didn't blow the doors off. And also the 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 um offense on the Buccaneers side sort of got their act together. But the good news is their schedule is super soft the rest of the way. The bad news is I don't know what to make of this this offense with uh, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady breach. No, I think that uh it looks like everyone on the Buccaneers offense hates each other. Like they just go out there, Brady's yelling at someone when they're failing, you know, and then obviously, like you said, in the second half, they started to gel a little bit. Uh I do think it's a huge advantage. They have a bye coming up. Look, Tom Brady's 43. He's been playing football for 12 straight weeks. There's nobody that needs a bye 
right now more than Tom Brady. And there has been, uh, you know, a little, it, it does feel like the offense isn't, there's not a lot of good chemistry in this offense right now. So I do think that having this week off to kind of get their act together and say, all right, we're seven, five, we have four games left. Our 43 year old quarterback can take 10 naps over the next two weeks before we play our next game. Uh, let's just step back, refresh. So I think the Buccaneers would be okay. And you know what? Tom Brady, as he did last week and the last couple of weeks, he just made some dumb throws. Uh, downfield, we saw two interceptions. I think that's the most perplexing part of this, that Brady just keeps making these kind of boneheaded mistakes that you don't expect to see from Tom Brady. Yeah, You know, I was uh, saw somebody post something, and I can't remember what book it's from, so forgive me. But uh, it was pointing out that some former Patriots player pointed out that when Brady and Belichick were in New England, that Belichick would spend tons of time leading up to each game going through game film with Brady and like basically giving him a, here's what the defense will do, or here's what you need to do with these certain looks. Here's what, you know, you check to, this is what, if you see this guy moving here, this is what it means. And I'm not saying that, that, that he can't, he didn't pick up how to do that. It means a really smart quarterback, the greatest quarterback of all time. But you wonder if week to week, not having Bill Belichick set that up for him, you do lose some of that edge. And these deep throws that he's sort of flailing at are just, it feels like a very Bruce Arians type of offense thing. We've seen quarterbacks in their first year routinely put up the biggest turnover seasons they've ever had in their careers. Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger, um, Jameis, Jameis. It's all because of that Bruce Arians philosophy. If that first reason there go deep, Carson Palmer, Carson Palmer did it. And they all did it. And now Brady's going to do it too. So, I don't think that necessarily precludes the Buccaneers from making a run in the playoffs, but I, I don't I have a hard time seeing how Tampa. Yeah, but the whole thing was with Tom Brady, you, you're supposed to do more than get to the playoffs. Granted, they haven't been in the playoffs in a dozen years, I think. That's not the point. You don't bring in Tom Brady. You don't bring in Antonio Brown. By the way, they're one and three with Antonio Brown. That's not an indictment of Antonio Brown, but just maybe you don't need him with that, all those weapons. Uh, maybe you should try or to maybe, get maybe, maybe don't mess with happy and don't. You know, bring a cur- walking curse into your locker room. Or, yeah, get on the same page with the rest of your teammates first before you start bringing in randos. But, uh, yeah, the idea is to make a deep playoff run, not to just to go to the playoffs and have a celebration. Now, I think we can also say, as we sort of look at this panic about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and their one and three record over the last four games, as Ryan points out, yeah, two of those losses are to the Chiefs and the Saints, who are probably the two best teams in football right now. And the Rams. And, and the Rams are good too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those are, those are three of the five or six best teams in football, right? I mean, I mean, but like the they only scored three points against the Saints. A Broncos team without a freaking quarterback scored three points against oh, the Saints. Um, the, uh, the, yeah, I mean, I think for the Buccaneers, it is fair to be concerned. Their schedule is cake though. Their schedule is cake. They also are seven and five. They stack some wins. That's important, as we point out each and every year. Let me, let me put it to you this way, though. If I told you in August, I said, hey, in week 12, going into their bye, they're going to be 7-5. and five. What what would you think happened over those 12 weeks? Would you be pumped or get, concerned? I would have guessed that Brady started a little slow, and they started to kind of put, put some wins together and got on a winning streak. I wouldn't have projected it this way. I will say that um, – I wouldn't predict, predict them to be 7-5. and five. That's the whole point of getting Tom Brady, right? Well, you would think they would have been better, right? A lot like, better, right? Okay, like ten and two or nine and three. Yes, that's All right. right. And Ryan, you said their schedule down the stretch is easy. Like if you would asked me two weeks ago, I said eh, four and zero is a lock after the bye. But I don't feel that way now. I think those are all. Who are, I don't the, say, who are the teams? 
Are you looking the Vikings, the Falcons twice, and the Lions? Yeah, I mean, 4-0 is like, I, I think, 80% chance. I mean, just to push back on that a little bit, if you had said, okay, the Buccaneers are going to come back, come into the season, they're going to lose to the Chiefs, get swept by the Saints, um, lose to the Rams, and then lay an egg, a random egg, I wouldn't, that's not that crazy. I wouldn't think they would get swept by the Saints. That's the whole point of getting Tom Brady. James Winston could have gotten swept by the Saints. <laughs> you know, like that's the first duck of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all I'm saying is that like they're seven and five. They don't look. They haven't I played well. I can't wait for Dick Vitale to like stick his head in Chris Collinsworth style one night. He's actually in your room and he's like doing the, the live dunk. That would <laughs> that would make my night. But yeah, uh, to reach his point, Minnesota, Atlanta, Detroit, and Atlanta to close out. Atlanta's playing pretty well. Minnesota's gonna be tough. They Atlanta is the master of crushing it when no one cares. That that is true. Yeah, and so you have to play them twice in the last three weeks. That's a bad thing when you're playing a team that crushes it when no one cares because no one is going to care about the Falcons those final three weeks. Yeah. Uh, five and six, Minnesota and Chicago and San Francisco are the three teams on the outside looking into the playoffs. So for Tampa Bay, you just got really got to go two and two. You're not catching the Saints for the division. Yeah, the, I mean, you turn yourself with where do you want to end up traveling as well. So I mean, that's a consideration, but. Clearly, you like to be playing good football at the end of the day. And they're yeah, not- I mean, you'd like to walk the Rams down and get the five seed and play the Giants or right. whoever comes out of that division. But, uh, yeah, Kansas City, uh, no, all, no disrespect to the 10 and no Pittsburgh Steelers, but the Chiefs are the best team in football right now. And that's because Patrick Mahomes is going to steamroll the, the field for MVP. We should have bet on him at two to one, should have bet on him before this week at minus 115. And now he's probably going to be minus 300 or something. He's like so that. good. He threw an interception this game and got called back. That's how good he is. <laughs> I mean, he's, this is, this is, is similar. Minus 350 now for Mahomes at William Hill. So uh, like uh, I, mean, I don't mind that, but I mean, uh, yeah, he left a lot of money on the table. Right. The two to one would be a lovely price for that right now. And Mahomes did this last year down the stretch. He started to really pick it up in the second half. And, and you could see, even though his stats weren't necessarily gaudy, he had a clear mastery of Andy Reid's offense. And over the last, you know, four games, I guess he's been throwing 40 plus times per game. But the thing is they've needed all of it because their last three wins have all been by three points or less. Yeah. Or four points or less. So they've all been close and they've needed every, if Mahomes wasn't playing at MVP level, they could possibly lose all three of those games. So that's how crazy it is that he's coming through with these, uh, MVP type performances every week. So he has over the last, uh, four weeks, he has, let's see, just do some quick math here. 1598, uh, passing yards. That's an average of 400 yards per game. He also has, uh, let's see, 14 touchdowns and one interception as he has surged ahead uh, in the league, completing a ton of passes for a ton of yards, averaging a huge, like a, a plus a eight or higher yards per attempt. It, it's almost, if he finishes out the season, he's the MVP. Uh, the question is whether or not the Steelers slip and let the Chiefs collect the number one seed or not. Yeah, I think that's the probably the only thing left to resolve. Uh, we'd like to, if you're Kansas City, you'd like to see your defense come together down the stretch too, because it hadn't been a year ago. Yeah. And you know what? That the whole second half felt like garbage time. I, I like, I don't know if you guys felt the same way. It didn't feel like the Buccaneers were putting up huge yardage. It just felt like the Chiefs defense was like, oh, it doesn't matter. It just felt like garbage time to me. I don't know how else to was, say it. That I just wasn't impressed with anything the Buccaneers really did in the second half. 
Uh, cause it never felt like the Chiefs weren't, it never felt like the Chiefs were going to lose this game. They were up 27 late in the third quarter. The Chiefs never felt like they were pressing, even though it was the three point game. It was like, eh, okay. And it was funny because they had the ball, the Chiefs did with three, three minutes to go or whatever, three point game. And I got the sense that Patrick Mahomes knew he could get a first down whenever he wanted. And that's exactly what happened. They ran the clock. It, yeah. He, it felt like a, a cat toying with a mouse, which is crazy because Tom Brady and a pretty good Bucks team is on the other side of the ball. All right. Let's move along. We mentioned the Saints. And uh, they are somehow – maybe it wasn't a good day of football because they are the number two team, number two uh, game that we've got lined up here to talk about. The Saints 31, Broncos 3. The Saints covered the 16-and-a-half-point closing line, the under of 36-and-a-half hit. And the Broncos did not hit their shocking, shockingly low team total of 9-and-a-half. Um, this is something out of the 1940s, 30s. I don't know what it is. Of course, as everybody knows – I think by now, um, I don't know if they do know. Okay. So what happened is in this game, um, the multiple, and this is a, a Mike Florio, I believe reported this. Somebody reported this. Um, all the quarterbacks. So Jeff Driscoll was in the room. They came in on Tuesday on their off day to look, look the Broncos quarterbacks. Jeff Driscoll was diagnosed with COVID-19. The three of the quarterbacks in that room, uh, Brett Rippon, Drew Locke and the practice squatter, Blake Bortles. We're also in that room, close contacts. None of them were wearing masks. So they were all sent packing. This well, week. apparently the Broncos spotted video of this and told the NFL about it. The NFL is like, put those mofos on the COVID list right now. Why are they not wearing masks? Not like, I mean, I don't know how much that mask is doing inside of that room, whatever. But the point being is they were putting the Well, the mask. little twist here is that apparently that video got to the NFL's hands either Thursday or Friday, but the NFL didn't tell the Broncos until Saturday oh. that they were not going to have any quarterbacks on the roster. That's like, you know, if you're the Broncos, you're feeling good. Uh, we haven't heard from the NFL yet. Drew, get ready. You're going to be starting tomorrow. All of a sudden the NFL calls you at like noon on Saturday. Like, oh yeah, all your quarterbacks, they're not eligible. So you guys got to figure something out because we're not postponing your game either. Yeah. And it does seem like the NFL is sort of flexing on, um, the Broncos and the Ravens, like, hey, look. Wait a second, though. They seem to be flexing much harder on the Broncos than the Ravens, who had 20 people at least on the COVID list, all because of their strength trainer reportedly not following protocols, and he was, the again, reportedly the super spreader. The Broncos had it confined to one room. They couldn't sign anyone. They couldn't. I wanted them to be able to promote the the the, the assistant coach guy. They, they had, asked to let a, um, an assistant coach. They asked the NFL if they could have, uh, instead of having Kendall Hinton, who was called up, um, from a, uh, from the practice squad, who, who's the assistant coach that they asked? I can't remember his name. It's Ryan something. He was, he was like one of the, I think one oh, of the Calabrese. Yeah. Because he, Calabrese. he knew the offense really well, <laughs> which is awesome. He was running the scout team offense in practice after some of the quarters, quarterbacks went down. I mean, would he want to play though? I mean, do you? I don't even, I don't care if he's 25 years old. Do you want to be out there taking, taking a beating? Yeah, you do. Okay. You get an NFL paycheck. Uh, I don't know that uh, previously. I think he played at Central Florida. Central Florida. Yeah. All right. So he's got some game. So he and Blake Bortles are, he and Blake Bortles are probably boys. Um, Vic Fangio was asked about it. said, I was disappointed on several levels that our quarterbacks put us in that position, that our quarterbacks put the league in that position. We counted them to be the leaders of this team, the leaders of our offense, and those guys made a mistake. So Fangio actually tossed it right back. But again, what, what are the different punishments for the, for the Broncos versus the Ravens? I don't understand. Have we heard on that? 
Uh, we have heard that the Broncos were not going to get postponed because the virus was confined to one room. The outbreak was contained, and the NFL had said before the season, if that's the situation, you're just going to have to figure out how to go along because there's no risk of the virus spreading during the game. And, you know, if this had been the tight end room, probably not a big deal because you have your quarterbacks, but it was the quarterback room, so that sucks. Whereas the Ravens are on the same thing with the Titans where you have this outbreak and you can't risk them spreading it to the other team. And so NFL keeps kicking the bucket down the road with the Ravens, hoping that uh, the outbreak will stop, which it has not because on Sunday there was more positives. If there's so, more, Bruce, yeah. The Ravens actually being more careless and less of the rule followers are getting more breaks. That's what I'm well, hearing. well, they're only doing that because you don't want to see the Ravens get on the field. No, I understand that, but you know, if you have, what they have like fourteen guys, fourteen guys who have the concern about the Steelers getting it. No, I understand the concern that. about that, and you only have sixteen practice squad players. The Ravens are almost at a point where they don't even have enough practice squad players to fill the spots on the roster that they lose because of COVID. So it's it's not. Uh, I mean, I, I think the Ravens will get a bigger punishment as far as getting fined uh, and potentially losing a draft pick than the Broncos will. But as far as playing the games, it's different situations, and you can't let the Ravens spread to the Steelers and the Steelers spread it oh, to the Steelers. I get all that. Next week. But you could understand why someone would be on the, out- the Ravens. What are, you, what are you mad about? He's a Steelers fan. They're playing the Ravens uh, on Tuesday. He uh, wants the Ravens, the, five, the Ravens have five players. No, my, win. I would be concerned if I'm a Broncos fan watching the Ravens get their games moved back from Thursday to Sunday to Tuesday, and they have 50 freaking guys because one dumbass in the in the strength room reportedly didn't wear his mask, whereas this was confined to one room. And I understand the rules and what you're saying, Breach, but I could also understand why someone who's a Broncos fan who would like to wait, move that game to Tuesday or whatever, and have their quarterbacks potentially be available. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'll just say personally, I felt like the NFL was making an example of the Broncos. They're like saying, this team's, that's my personal feeling. Hey, this team's out of the playoff race. We'll let the other teams know we don't want week 18 to happen. We don't want to push anything back. Uh, if your guys get COVID, you're playing and you're going to deal with it. And the Broncos were an easy team to make that the example. I, I think that's a hundred percent what it is. People are like, how are they playing? People ask me all weekend, like, how are they playing these games? I'm like, look, man, they don't care. Would they, would they play four and six? They're not making. Let me ask you this though: Would they have enforced these rules if this were the Chiefs? Um, Your quarterbacks are. I think they would have postponed the game if it was Brady versus Mahomes and Mahomes and the quarterback room had COVID. They would have pushed it back. I think so. Right. I mean, I mean, also, I mean, part of the thing was like, hey, look, you guys don't have a quarterback. Neither do the Saints. They got Taysom Hill running out there. By the way, Kendall Hinton, one of nine for 13 yards and two interceptions. Unsurprisingly, not impressive. Uh, Royce Freeman. The- By the way, a little scouting report on, on Hinton. Played quarterback for three years at Wake Forest. Moved to wide receiver, head over. Durham native. Oh, nice. 70, over 70 receptions, over a thousand receiving yards last year when Jamie Newman and, and, um, what's the other quarterback's name? Uh, I can't remember his name. Um, the kid who's now playing there at Wake Forest. But, uh, so he was undrafted. He didn't get invited to the combine. Some people thought he might get invited there. So he was put in a untenable situation. And the fact that he completed one pass is a testament to him. And the fact that he had to go out there, uh, to Vic Fangio's point is has to do with, you know, the quarterbacks not following the rules. Yeah. Fangio said he did everything that he could. This is a big, big ask. I mean, he was promoted on, on Sunday. I started him in a fantasy league as we pointed out breaching. Oh, that's really cool. It's negative 2.45 points. So that's. That's what I get. Uh, the Broncos had 112 net yards on 43 plays. That's 2.6 per play. And the Saints 
You know, I uh, I saw a clip on Twitter of the Action Network guys talking about this game. Uh, Matthew Friedman, who's their the Fantasy Labs uh, managing editor, I think is his title, uh, friend of the show. Um, well, I'm a friend of their show. That's what it is. He he was trying to convince Chad Millman to why this is the bet that you have to take. He's like, listen, you were going to look back on this and realize that this was the biggest free square in the history of football gambling that you can take the Saints minus 15 against a team with no quarterbacks. And he wasn't wrong. I mean, this, this was, this was a cover that like out of the gate, the Saints were up, uh, the Saints, no, no point scored in the first quarter. The Saints get, uh, up to 21, or excuse me, 17 nothing. And, and it was, just, and that was it. That was it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you knew the Broncos were going to put up a lot of points. I yeah. Think. We learned nothing from this game. Yeah. I mean, like you could have bet at 16 and a half, 17 and a half, 18 and a half. I mean, it didn't matter. It was, it was. All the way up to 20, 28. And that also tells you the bookies had no idea what to do because when they reset the, it was at five and a half. And then all this news came out and it started at 14 and a half. The Saints fit right 14 and a half. And it just shot up. What you said it closed at 16 and a half. Yeah. Cause they just reopened it like Sunday morning. You don't see a, a point spread move two points when it's already that high to get higher, uh, just hours before the game. So everybody's pounding the Saints. Yeah. People are hammering the Saints and, and as they should have. Um, uh, one other thing that's sort of important to note from a gambling perspective as it relates to these games for future reference. So, like, I had uh, Steelers minus four and a half max bet, but they moved the game to Tuesday. Like, after after we heard on Thanksgiving night, we heard Lamar had COVID, hammered it because it was already set for Sunday, gets moved to Tuesday, all those bets get canceled. Oh. But if you have – if you bet the Broncos minus five – or the, the Saints minus five and a half, and then this COVID news broke – and they played the game on the same day, you would have still, that bet would have stayed alive. And now in theory, like your book can come in and cancel it in certain instances, but probably getting that bet. So that's something to think about as you're moving forward. If you try to get these, sneak these bets in with the news breaks on COVID. Um, Taysom Hill was fine. 9 16, 78 yards, one touchdown. His, his stat line was basically the same as Cam Newton's that we'll talk about later. <laughs> the only stat you need to know about this game. Is that Latavius Murray had 19 carries, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. Also, I'm surprised Breach didn't bring this up because last year he said the Saints were going to get smoked in Seattle. But Saints backup quarterbacks are seven and zero without Drew Brees. I brought it up on the YouTube exclusive. You can't play the dunk music, Brenton. I said I learned my lesson, and I said I'm never picking against the Saints uh, when Drew Brees is not on the field. Brenton heard it. I, I learned my lesson. I'm a fast learner. Reaches the politician who releases the scandalous information before the press can do it. Titans 45, <laughs> Titans, that's exactly what breaches. Titans 45, Colts 26, Titans plus three covers. Of course, they won outright over 51 and a half hits. Derrick Henry had a monster game, 35 fantasy points. He had 120 plus rushing yards in the first half in route to Kind of a surprisingly down game. 27 carries, 178 yards, and three rushing touchdowns. He was outstanding. He gets better as the season goes along. Phillip Rivers, 21 fantasy points. Ryan Tannehill, 20. And, uh, Jacoby Brissett, the vulture at the goal line for the, uh, for the Colts. He had three, four carries, three yards, and two touchdowns. Does this change your mind, Breach, about the future of the AFC South? Uh, it does. You know what? I absolutely, I picked the Colts to win this game. I picked them to win the first meeting. I thought they looked better in that game. Uh, in this time, it was like two completely different teams. And I really felt like the big difference here. And 
you you know, you don't always see this with one player, especially on defense, but DeForest Buckner being out of this game because of COVID, I, I think the Titans just said, look, we're already going to run Derrick Henry down their throat. Now we're definitely going to run Derrick Henry down their throat. And you could see within the first two possessions, there was no way the Colts were going to stop this, them this entire game. So Phillip Rivers was going to have to put up 45 points, which just wasn't going to happen. Uh, and so it became pretty clear the Colts just couldn't stop them. And the Titans, uh, man, they've got the kind of team that could maybe beat the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we saw them play that close game against the Steelers. I, I, I think the Titans might be, you could, second best team in the AFC. Is that crazy? That's that defense crazy. is the issue. That defense has to, has to step up. And they played better, um, against Indy. But you mentioned no DeForest Buckner, no Danica Autry, no Bobby Okariki. So they had no one out there in the middle of that defense, and they were just getting steamrolled. And typically, Derrick Henry whips up on unsuspecting teams in the fourth quarter. You just have to forget it. I'm going to do the first quarter. I'm going to take the second half off. And um, But I, I like this team a lot because I think Ryan Tannehill is a really, really good quarterback. Sure. And when you balance that off of Derrick Henry, who is really, really good and no one wants to tackle – that's a problem, especially in December and January. But the defense isn't nearly what it was a year ago. They don't get after the passer. So if they can somehow magically make that happen, that's great. I don't know if they can. And if you can't get after Patrick Mahomes, you ain't, you ain't beating Patrick Mahomes um, yeah. unless unless you're scoring 50 points. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a scenario where the Titans can cook up enough pass rush to get after Patrick Mahomes. I don't think it's likely. What's that scenario? We haven't seen it this season. I, I'm just saying they have. they do have rushers. They have guys listed as yes. I mean, like Harold Landry and Jadavian Clown. Uh, maybe not. You know, Breach, I kind of scoffed at your idea that Tennessee is the second best team in the AFC. Um, but it's weird. So the AFC, despite, you know, having multiple six win teams on the outside looking in, overall, when you look at the, the current playoff field in the AFC, it's not that impressive. Mm-mm. You know, like the Titans are the third seed. Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Tennessee, and Buffalo. Those teams are pretty good. And I like the Titans better than the Bills. And I don't even know if it's close. I mean, it wasn't when they played on the field, 42 right. to 16. Uh, and then Cleveland, Miami, Indianapolis. I, 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 I still think I like Indy better than Tennessee. Uh, you can argue I, that the Ravens and the, and the Las Vegas Raiders on the outside looking in right now are better than some of the teams that are currently in the playoff race. For sure. And, for the record, the Colts didn't have DeForest Buckner in this game. That matters a whole lot. Yeah, me and Breach said that. I mean, I'm just pointing it out that that matters a lot. I mean, what are you grinning about, Breach, that you already said that? The, at Wilson calling, saying you already said it. Yeah. By the way, I'm sure you guys saw this, but on Twitter, every I, the only joke people were making is that uh, DeForest Buckner proved why he's, why he's the AFC defensive player of the year. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the Chiefs to win the AFC. Chiefs plus 130. Pittsburgh plus 260, Bills, Titans 10 to 1, Ravens 12 to 1, Colts 14 to 1, Browns 20 to 1, Dolphins 25 to 1, and the Raiders 25 to 1 as well. The Titans are now minus 500 to win the division. Ouch. Colts plus 325. Colts have allowed three 100 yard rushers in three seasons under Frank Wright. Can you name them? Uh, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, and Derrick. And somebody else or is it Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry. I know he was two of the three. All three Derrick Henrys. This is a, and this game, like I, took, I had a bunch of live overs in this game and it, uh, it was like, looked like it was completely dead. And then these like, like of these two teams scored in like five seconds late in the, in the, in the, uh, in the fourth quarter. 
Like Rivers hit T.Y. Hilton for his first touchdown since 2019. Um, they go on sides. They don't get it. And then it's just A.J. Brown, 42-yard touchdown. How many? Well, yeah, well, cause, well real quick, because, Brenton, what you're saying. A.J. Brown, did he? Here's how slow it got. It was 35-14 at halftime. And you're like, oh, my God, points are just flowing. Yeah. End of the third quarter, it's 38-14. to 14. There was only three points, and you're just like, okay, Wait, well. A.J. Brown recovered the onside and took it to the house. Right. Yeah. Well, so I'm saying there was only a field goal the entire third quarter after the, the point explosion in the first half. And so it looked like it was slowing down. So anybody who took like a halftime over or whatever, and then boom, uh, the fourth quarter was just completely bonkers. Yeah, it sure was. Three, uh, three scores in the fourth quarter. Look, Tennessee, Tennessee flex. Tennessee is when Tennessee's operating at maximum efficiency on offense, they are really, really good. But I, I'm with Ryan. I have just questions about their and team. And also don't forget this team lost to the Bengals. True. With Joe Burrow. <laughs> God for, I mean, God, God imagine him doing it with Ryan Finley and or Brandon Allen. That would be something. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will get to more of the games. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Bills defeated the Chargers 27-17. to Buffalo minus four and a half hits. The under 51 hit somehow. It's a shootout early on. It just didn't hold on. Justin Herbert, your top fantasy performer with 18 points. Josh Allen, 17 points. Allen uh, suffered what was looked like a pretty serious injury at the time. Uh, got rolled up by Joey Bosa, who had an outstanding game. And Allen was on the field in pain, limped off, and he ended up being fine. He came back in uh, just a couple. Matt Barkley came in for a play and got plastered. (laughs) Yeah, Matt Barkley drilled on a sack, and then um, Allen came back in. I don't want to belabor this point, but it's hard not to get away. It's hard to get away from it. With the Chargers down ten, they they have a fourth and twenty, fourth and seventeen. They throw a deep ball. Herbert throws a deep ball. It's complete. There's offensive pass interference. Obviously, you don't decline it. Uh, it's fourth and 27. They take another Hail Mary down the field. They complete it. They get the ball down at the one. They sprint up, and I believe they spiked the ball, right? They did spike the ball on first down. Am I crazy? Whatever the whatever the case was, this down 10 with like 16 seconds left. No, no, no. They didn't They didn't spike it they didn't or spike it. call a timeout. They called a run play. No, no, they, no, had, they didn't. So they didn't even spike it before. They just went up and called a run play. And they had no timeouts left. It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. No, no. That's the second dumbest thing because the day before, <laughs> Syracuse spiked the ball on fourth down as time expired. As NC State won, somehow won a football. On game. fourth down as time expired. Right. That's what I said. And, and I, I said when we talked about that, we saw Tom Brady botch a fourth down. This is like – 
you have a coach in your ear saying he should have been saying spike it, spike it. Well, this is on the coaching staff. This yeah. is on everybody. This yeah, isn't yeah, like you're right, you're right. They didn't one person track. losing track of things on the field. This is an indictment of everything the Chargers have ever done. They ran the ball with 25 seconds left in the game off from the one yard line. And, uh, Austin Eckler, who was great in his return to the in return to action, gets stuffed. Then their next play, they, they, uh, they throw the, like a, I guess it's a pass to Mike Williams with eight seconds left. They basically wasted any hope they had of, of potentially tying this game. Cause you know, with 25 seconds left, you, 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 know, you get a couple shots and then you're going to maybe get an onside kick and maybe get a field goal. Like that's what you're hoping for. Um, this has been a recurring problem though under, but then, but then it gets worse. So they go incomplete, stop the clock, incomplete again with six seconds left with three seconds left on the clock. They try to sneak Justin Herbert up the middle on this, on second down, second down from the one yard, second and goal from the one yard line. If you watch the replay of what happened, Herbert is trying to sneak and all five of his offensive linemen are dropping back into pass protection sets. They had no idea what was going on down there. It was embarrassing. And Anthony Lynn cannot be in charge of this team. He can't. He cannot. He is a terrible in-game coach. I don't understand. I say this all the time, not just about the Chargers, but about every, almost every team. How do you not have someone on the sidelines whose job it is to do? If you're the the coach and you're in charge of everything, have your fingers on everything. Don't worry about that. Let let the the nerd from the local university who loves football and loves stats. Let him do that. I don't. Why is this? Why are we seeing this happen in 2020? Every year we talk about this, and it's it's idiotic and it's insane. And I didn't hear um, Anthony Lynn talk about it, but usually the coach gets defensive and and makes excuses about stats or does the Dave Gettleman typing thing. There's no excuse for the run. There's no excuse for ninety nine percent of the the in game and end of half mismanagement we see in the NFL. High school, I get it. The high school coach has to do, he has to line the field, he has to fill the drinks, he has to cut up the orange slices. I don't know why NFL teams and, and coaches sucks so much in in-game decisions in critical moments. He he described this as completely miscommunication. That's uh, not was, okay. That can't happen. He's written for his he's for his decision making clock management. Wait, wait, which part was the miscommunication? The the no spike that your quarterback almost got murdered because he tried to QB sneak and the rest of the offensive line didn't know about it? The I mean, where was what, there's everything in the whole entire game? I guess it's, so. it's infuriating. Yeah. And I don't even Care about the Chargers. And imagine if you had bet the Chargers in this game, where if they score on four different opportunities from the one yard line, they cover. They didn't cover because of Andy right. That's Lynn. right. They they always lose by one score. They couldn't even do that right. Yeah. I got them live at eight and a half. Thanks, Andy. I was like, yes, this is free money. And then not. No, it's I, not. <laughs> he said, I would sit down and talk you through every one of our decisions. I'm not saying it's been perfect at all, but what happened today at the end of the game that was miscommunication. I would like to know what the specifics of the miscommunication. Are. When do when are they ever not miscommunicating? Like I feel like that's every Chargers press conference. We talk about every game ends with them losing improbably, and they lose by one score, except for this game where they should have lost by one score. And then you have Anthony Lynn just with his canned response because it's the same thing every single week. We thought it was Philip Rivers. It's not. It's just the Chargers uniforms uh, perpetually lose by one score every week. Mm. What uh, do we take anything from the Bills on this? Meh. Uh, you know, Josh, uh, what, um, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Stefan Diggs, he only had 39 yards. He's targeted seven times. 
Cole Beasley threw a touchdown, which was nice, and that was fun to watch. I I would like you mentioned the Josh Allen injury earlier. I would like fewer hooky dooky plays with Josh Allen. That's what my seventh grade basketball coach used to call behind the back passes. <laughs> we don't need any hooky dooky plays. Um, I specialize in hooky dooky. Yeah. Well, so does Josh Allen. He gets himself in trouble. I don't like him. Do move is hooky dooky. <laughs> I don't like him. Uh, doing too much. And I, I get it, the athleticism, all that stuff, but he can get himself in trouble. I mean, follow the, the Patrick Mahomes blueprint, not the RG3 blueprint in terms of getting clobbered when you run the ball. Uh, the- I, I thought the Bills defense real quick. Uh, I thought the Bills defense did a good job of keeping Justin Herbert in check. Cause you know, we've seen Justin Herbert light up some teams this season and he threw for 316 yards, but you know, 40 or 50 yards of that came on a Hail Mary at the end of the game. So really it's closer to 250 and they really kept him in check. I was impressed with how they played. Yeah. I actually thought Herbert was going to dice them up. To be fair, Justin Herbert had to play against the Bills defense and Anthony Lynn. So he was at a disadvantage. That is true. The Bills have the 49ers, Steelers, Broncos, Pats and Dolphins remaining and the team chasing them. The Miami Dolphins were four to one to win the AFC. So the Bengals Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders and Bills. This division is probably locked up. But hey, uh, the, the Dolphins, uh, also have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who they trotted out against the Jets on Sunday in a, I don't want to call it a convincing victory. Cause it wasn't that convincing, but they won 20 to three. Uh, the Jets ran Frank Gore 18 times. Brinson, what do you want from the Dolphins? You just hate them. What did, do you want did, from the did, did a Dolphin like personally offend you as a child? Did you go to the zoo and they were supposed to like do some tricks and, they didn't do any tricks. Just, to, get in, is it, to sink like the dolphin. No, like to, what does he say? To, uh, <laughs> the to the dolphin, you must sink like the dolphin. Okay, uh, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's a pretty good snowflake. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to dog on the dolphins. They won the game. Good job. You beat a, you beat the worst team in professional football history. Um, and you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was fine. Devontae Parker had another great game. Mike Kosecki was a, is pretty, I like Mike Kosecki as a player. Uh, they, they don't have any run game. I just don't think they're as good as everybody makes them out to be, although the defense yeah. is pretty. They are good. They're good without a quarterback. And Brian, Brian Flores, you know, he was asked again about whether Fitzpatrick or Tua, and he's, he's leaning on Tua. When he said, healthy. yeah, if he's healthy, he's a guy. I don't know how many different ways you have to continue to say that. You keep asking, I'll keep answering the same way. Again, he's dealing with something with the hand. We'll take it day to day. Weird again, Brian Flores, because you didn't actually put him on the injury report when you pulled him out of the game for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, he got hurt this week at practice, uh, quotation marks. So then he wasn't pulled for injury. No, that's right. I think he said that. He said he was pulled for performance. So, but he's the guy. It's right. all very confusing. It is very confusing. And listen, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but if the idea is to win the best chance to win the division this year, is it Tua or Ryan Fitzpatrick? So it's Fitzpatrick. And let me just say this. So the Dolphins were favored by seven points in this game. And I actually, on our CBS sports site where we all make our picks, I originally picked the Jets to cover. But when I heard that Tua was probably out and Fitzpatrick was going to be starting on Sarah, emailed in is like Dolphins cover pound, 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 because I feel like they're a much better team with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And so, I mean, do you want to throw away this year? Because you want two on the field or do you say we actually have a really good defense and maybe we shouldn't throw that away and let's let Fitzpatrick play out the year. We'll get rid of him and let Tua handle things next year. Is it possible they panicked when they, it looked like the Texans might end up with the number one pick? 
And they're like, holy crap, what if we can get Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> like, we gotta go. Oh, oh, I think this year, I think meant last year I was confused. Yeah, I don't know. They were like, oh my God, like, what if, what if that picks a top two pick? And we have to decide, like, yeah, we don't know, like, we need to see what Tua's got. Yeah, yeah. Fitz isn't, I mean, Fitz has been fine. Like, he's better than Tua. Right? Well, he was, they were three and three, and he was completing 70% of his passes. He was he, beating up on the easy teams that, like, they, he got the easy part of their schedule. Who ain't doing that? Who got Aaron Donald week one? And they won. Because yeah, thanks to their defense. Aaron Goff. At any rate, the um the Jets are the biggest pile of trash. Speaking of Trevor Lawrence, do you think the Jets and everyone's getting fired the last few weeks? Do you think the Jets are keeping Adam Gase employed just to guarantee the number one pick? Yes, I, I've been saying that for weeks. Yeah, I think that's I right. don't really think they're doing that. That's like a major league plot or something. Why wouldn't you fire him then? What has he shown you that gives you any I, I just think Joe Doug. I think Joe Douglas is kind of boys with Case, so they're trying to give him the until the end of the year. Hey, get messed around, get them both fired. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe they're waiting until Woody Johnson gets back and is in charge. He doesn't have telephone overseas. <laughs> well, Chris, Christopher Johnson's the acting. Send him a Raven. <laughs> the Raven died. Maybe they're maybe they're waiting to see what happens. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Ryan, they're zero and eleven. Their point differential is um, negative one hundred and seventy. Is there any chance? And we'll talk about the Raiders later. The Raiders laid an egg on Sunday. Any chance they play the Raiders next week? They can beat the Raiders. Last week I would have said like five percent. I'm up to like twelve percent now. 12%. I think twelve percent is about right. Twelve percent chance they beat the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders. Still yeah. look ahead line on that. Do, you, do we know who that is? It's not just this East Coast thing. Obviously, we'll talk about the Raiders getting beaten down and taken behind the woodshed. But the Raiders went out to New York last season, lost to the Jets thirty-four to three. So there will be that confident. The Jets won't be confident against many teams, but they'll be confident against the Raiders. I mean, they throttled them. And yeah. like, by the way, the Raiders were six and four when they lost this Sunday. They were six and four last year when they lost to the Jets. So Raiders minus seven and a half. No way. At New York. Pound the Jets. Uh, that is the most the yeah. Raiders have been favored by in a road game since 2002, if that ends up being uh, the closing number. I, I don't see how you can take the Raiders there. Yeah, so you either have to take the Raiders by more than a touchdown on the road, or you have to take the Jets. Like, what a nightmare. Yeah, don't. I'm kidding when I said pound the Jets. I don't know if I can pound the Jets. Yeah. Uh, Browns 27, Jaguars 25. By the way, Debo... Cut sound for Adam Gase, and I couldn't download it, so I couldn't play. But it was like more, just like he was probably Adam Gase saying that he doesn't call plays, but then sort of admitting accidentally that he calls plays. That's exactly what it was. How'd you know? I I saw the clip earlier because you know like, everyone thought like, I wouldn't do that. Like, well, doing? one of the beat reporters said to him in the press conference, the Zoom call, uh, "We stared at Dow Loggins the entire game. The <laughs> offensive coordinator, he literally did nothing." <laughs> and Adam Gase is like, "Well, I called the plays by accident," and you know. All right, we get it. Why How insane you- are you that you're lying about who's right. calling plays? Like, who cares at this point? It's not like you're on the playoff race and someone blew it today. You're 0-11. You have no future. You're going to get fired in four weeks. Like, who cares? Why are you lying? If you said JoJo the monkey was calling plays from the circus, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I get it. That makes sense. Like, said, I, was, I was working on some third down stuff. And then they said, what? Practice? What was going on? He's like, I was doing the two-minute thing. The Niner in there. Did you just say the Niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? <laughs> Browns 27, Jaguars 25. The Jaguars covered the plus seven. Somehow the over 48 and a half hit. And both those things hit 
on a late garbage. Well, no, it actually wasn't garbage time because they had a two point conversion to tie it up. Yep. And of course, didn't get that Nick Chubb, 23 fantasy points. Baker Mayfield, 22. Mike Glennon, shout out Mike G, 21. James Robinson, 21. Jarvis Landry, happy birthday. Jarvis Landry, 20. The big story coming out of this game though is that the Jaguars fired Dave Caldwell immediately following the game. Um, the thing is, if they'd won that game, I feel like they would have fired Dave Caldwell too. Before, uh, before we move any further, Pete Prisco would like to read a soliloquy for Dave Caldwell's tenure as Jaguars GM. Oh, Dave, I knew you. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I thought you actually uh, had something. I was going to be quiet. I don't have anything. Uh, no, I texted Pete immediately. I said, sorry for your loss, Pete. Hope everything's okay. He's like, you're real funny. Ha ha, yak, yak. <laughs> uh, he, he, he's been defending Caldwell for years. Caldwell finished um, thirty-seven like, and eighty-six. I thirty-seven and eighty-six. Oh, yeah, because yeah, this one counts. Thirty-seven and eighty-six uh, as a GM of the Jets. This one counts. <laughs> yeah, fifty Last games under up. is not good, is it? So here's the thing. Like, uh, here, oh, here's what actually Pete said, though. If you want, if you want to hear it, yeah, go ahead. He said, "This might sound crazy, but it shouldn't. The Jaguars' GM job is a good one. Tons of draft capital, tons of cap room, likely landing Justin Fields. Plus." There are some impressive young players on this year's team. It's a good job. I'm with them. I think it is a good job. You have a lot of draft picks. You're going to have the second overall pick. Could even have the first overall pick. Have the job for 18 years. Never win anything and still keep your job. Well, so, right, eight years. They you need to bring there. in your own coach because there's no way the new GM's keeping Doug Marone. Yeah, that. I mean, I would imagine that's be a stipulation. But so in that, those eight years, Dave Collar was there. Um, Malarkey was a coach. Before he got there, he had the one year he fired him, and then it was Gus Bradley, who was a disaster, and then it was Doug Marone. Only one year did they have a winning record. That was the year they went to the AFC Championship game. That was also the year where they extended Blake Bortles the following spring, or the following winter, uh, January, February, three-year deal worth something to change, three-year, $54 million deal. Also, the previous 12 months, they didn't draft a quarterback. They took Leonard Fournette. They didn't take Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. They took Leonard Fournette with the fourth overall pick. And that, and Bortles not working out is why he got fired. Because I think if you look at some of the other draft picks, they actually didn't do a terrible job. Now, it's incredibly difficult to keep people in, in Jacksonville. They complain and get traded out of it. And I don't know if that's his fault or not. But um, you can't miss on a running back at number four, and you can't take a quarterback, extend him. He's not good. And also miss on Mahomes and or Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had, they actually had a number of pretty good. Yeah. Draft choices. I think Dave Caldwell will quickly find a job in the personnel department and, um, and probably, you know, work his way even maybe back into another GM job. But the reality is like Ryan Pace in Chicago, you know, you whiff on the QB, you double down on the bad QB and you're probably going to get fired eventually. And you just talked about him possibly getting a good personnel job. One guy who had a good personnel job, who I had no idea even worked for this team, was Trent Baalke, who's now the interim GM. He could be. I, I thought he did a good job uh, with the 49ers. Started in 2011 when Harbaugh got hired, took him to three straight NFC title games, kind of built that roster. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe he ends up being a candidate for this job. But I had no idea he was working. It must be incredibly team. awkward for – in this sense, it's Doug Marone. I don't know his relationship with Dave Caldwell. I don't know his, his relationship with Trent Balky, but now that Balky's been promoted, 
you sort of have to tiptoe around the office and be nice to them, whether you like them or not, and the hopes that it works out for you. And, oh, by the way, you get to win the rest of your football games and show some some measure of improvement. And, oh, by the way, that still may not be enough. I sort of wonder if uh, just knowing the way that things went in San Francisco and seeing how this has shook out with Caldwell getting fired midseason, which is very bizarre to fire your GM but not your coach midseason. Like that's that's weird, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's they, definitely weird. He hired Marone, but it wasn't like Marone was setting the world on fire. But why would you keep one and not the other? Just dump them both. If exactly, so I sort of wonder. And you think back to what happened in Jacksonville before this, um, with Tom Coughlin being brought in and taking over all the power, and then Coughlin not doing the team not you know wins that one year, and then in 2017 then stinks again, and Coughlin gets kicked to the curb and blamed for everything. I sort of wonder if Trip Balky might have shot cons here right now. And if that's the case, would he end up getting promoted from interim GM to full-time GM? I That doesn't seem that crazy to me. We'll find out in January. Yeah, I don't think it is just because he has had success. When you Exactly. You build a Super Bowl winning or Super Bowl um, near a Super Bowl winning roster. And when you get promoted like that in the middle of November – Something's a little stinky right there. Uh, Baker Mayfield alternated between fantastic and woof, Buzz, your girlfriend, in this hey, what? game. What does that mean? That's a Home Alone reference, Ryan. Oh. It's the holiday season. Get with the program. Fun fact about Buzz's, fun fact about Buzz's girlfriend, the actual picture. Yeah. Oh. It's actually a boy because they didn't want to put a, a young girl in that position to be made fun of. That's a good fun fact. Uh, there you go. Buzz your girlfriend. Home Alone trivia right here on this podcast. I actually yeah, watched Home Alone the other night. I watch, it every, I watch it every Christmas with my kids. Watch Home Alone and watch Elf. And uh, and Love Actually. <laughs> yeah, Love Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, are you sure about that? Oh, about what? Buzz's girlfriend is actually a boy. Wank, wank. Brenton didn't believe you was fact-checking your fun fact. That is Why would I, like, who, classic who that story up. Yeah, of course it's true, man. Come on. I just never heard that. Yeah, well, you're not the... Uh, the you didn't even know the quote from Home Alone. I heard it, but I was, it threw me off because it was out of context. Who is that? Who is Buzz? Why is your girlfriend here? And then I dumped the... Uh, you just dunked on yourself because you got fun-facted. Okay. Anyway, to um, your point, Baker Mayfield is not... He's a... Uh, game manager is that, that is what he is, is, what he is he gets a ton of open looks he, i mean what's like one tiny step below game manager <laughs> that's that's baker mayfield i, I don't even want it's too much manager of, like alex smith and his prime is a game manager that, that's not, not even that. baker mayfield no he is not that yeah he he has regressed um, somebody uh, on the twitch stream like somebody was like baker had a huge game i was like he did i went and looked it's like 258 he threw he threw a touchdown for the first time since week seven and he also oh. missed the most wide open Rashard Higgins could not have been Why? more wide open. He yeah. had no one within six yards of him in the end zone, which is almost impossible to do. No, no, and it was they, the, it's not close. The next gen stats said he was 10 and a half yards of separation it, in the end zone where the end zone is only 10 yards long. So that this for anyone who has not seen this play, you can now imagine it 10 and a half yards of separation, in the 10 yard end zone. Uh, and Baker just whiffed. He, overthrew him behind him. I mean, Higgins didn't even get his hand on the ball. It was such a bad throw. Baker so, tweeted out after the game, I know I can be better and I will be. Job isn't finished. A lot of ball left. We're eight and three and not satisfied. That's the best part about this 
team. That's what a boyfriend tweets out when he gets caught. That's what he, that's a Texas census girlfriend. I'm not that. satisfied. I know you're not satisfied. By the way, Mike Glennon is the, the best chance for the Jaguars to not get the first overall. He back. looked okay. He missed some throws, but what, I mean, what would you expect? He played better than, than Luton and, and yeah, since starting three years, I thought he played well considering all things considered. He's way better than Luton and better. I think better than Minshew too. If you did a ranking of quarterbacks you played on Sunday, he's probably 10th. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, better than Taysom Hill and Cam didn't. <laughs> I mean, it was a pretty rough weekend for quarterbacks. All right. Moving along to our next game. Not a great. Wait, is anybody worried about the Browns? The Browns, they've won eight games. That's a huge, uh, a huge step in the right direction. They're going to the playoffs. They yeah. play the Titans and Ravens in the next two weeks. Are they going to the playoffs? Yeah, they're gone. So wait, they'll be, let's say they lose both. They're eight and five. Don't they, they, don't they get through trash Bengals at some point? No, then they get the Giants and the Jets. Ah, then they're going to the playoffs. Yeah. And then they close with the Steelers. They're getting, they have to get the 10 wins. I don't know how they would. Uh, they might not get the 10 They're wins. They're going to be the Giants and the Jets and get the 10 wins. That would only be not. Nah. Hey, you don't think the Giants could upset them? They could, but that's why it's called an upset. <laughs> Colt McCoy could take the Colt McCoy revenge game. Oh, yeah, that's true. McCoy. Colt McCoy is not winning any games. Maybe the Browns. I, I, wouldn't, I don't think it's out of the question that like the Ravens are still down 42 guys. And the Browns should sign uh, James Harrison to face off against... The Giants. Uh, I actually think the Browns could beat the Titans. I know we said on the the. I as, Baker, as Baker Mayfield pointed out last year, 2019 Week One, Marcus Mariota dunked all over us. So let's take it down a few notches with the Titans talk. <laughs> sure, they're going to beat the. Oh boy, they're definitely going to beat the Jets, right? Yeah, they're fine. They're going to the playoffs. Let's they're go. not losing out. They're not losing their final. I'm, where, I'm I'm happy for Browns fans. That's where I'm at on this. Yeah. First non-losing season quenched. In 12 years. They needed to win this game to make sure that they were in a it's good spot. 2007, Romeo Cornell was the, was the coach. Derek Anderson was the quarterback. Brady Quinn was a rookie. Never heard of him. Braylon oh, Edwards. Kellen Winslow, Braylon Edwards. And that team still did not make the playoffs. Yeah. Won 10 games. All right. What game was I going to next? Falcons. I interrupted you so you wouldn't remember. You're fine. Falcons 43, <laughs> Raiders 6. Man, we were really cursing some people with praise on this podcast. Falcons uh, covered as three and a half point dogs at home. The under 53, the, the Falcons scored 43 points against the Raiders and the under 53 hit. Man. Unbelievable. <laughs> this, this was like, uh, totally you are talking up your spouse to everyone. She is the best for, for you're complimenting her. And then like the next night you find out she slept with someone else. That is Brinson and Derek Carr. I've never heard Brinson talk up Derek Carr my whole life. He spends the last two weeks nonstop. This is Derek Carr's early. He's finally playing well. And then he goes out and lays. I mean, this was it's a like, dinosaur like, egg. Like it's like you take, like you take your spouse to the holiday party. She gets wasted, pukes all over the floor and like <laughs> sleeps with the janitor. Like that's. Yeah. Big. She pulled the Costanza. Was that wrong? Yeah. Was I wrong to do that? <laughs> Was that bad? Should I, I know? Yeah, that's right. And that's right. That's exactly what happens. Um, the, the crazy thing about this game, so 43 to six, you're thinking, okay, okay, give me Matt Ryan's stat line. Let me know what Julio Jones did. No, he didn't play. Okay. Well, what did Calvin Ridley do? Uh, well, Matt Ryan, 22 of 39 for 185 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Ridley, the top receiver, six catches, 50 yards and a touchdown. Uh, ish, uh, Ito Smith, 12 carries, 65 yards and a touchdown. How did they get to 43 points? I'm glad you asked because they had a, uh, well, what do you say? The Falcons only had 61 more total yards than the Raiders. So if you just looked at the box score, you'd be like, how in the hell did this happen? That's okay. what I'm saying. You look at the Falcons stats, you're like, how did they have 43 points? 
And the answer is a lot of field goals. In fact, five of them from Young Way Q. Young Way. The um, um I don't even know what the Raiders were doing. It was so Derek Carr was turning it was the ball. Derek Carr. Yeah, he turned he turned he had never his career high for turnovers in the game was three. Turned the ball over four times in this game. Uh he lost three fumbles. I would blame two of the fumbles absolutely on him where very he got hit. Should not have fumbled. I don't even think that uh Kendall Hinton would have fumbled these balls. And that guy has only thrown one completion in his quarterbacking career in the NFL. And he just threw one of the ugliest pick sixes that you will ever see. And it, like as often as they turn the ball over in this game, the Raiders were in this until the second half. I mean, it was 16 to three in the third yeah. quarter. The Raiders were driving down. If they score there at 16 to six, if they get a field goal, 16 to 10, if they get a touchdown, but that is the drive where Derek Carr's pick six came. All of a sudden, it was 23 to three, and the wheels fell off the wagon. They're already kind of like falling off, but then they just completely. Here's, came off. here's how their, all their possessions ended in this game. And they had a lot of them. Turnover on downs, fumble, punt, field goal, punt, fumble, end of half, punt, interception, field goal, fumble, fumble, punt, punt. That's really bad. Not good. Hey, by the way, our buddy Michael Davis Smith. Tweeted this out during the game. No one plays better once they're out of contention than the Falcons. 2018, they were four and nine, finished seven and nine. 2019, they were one and seven and they won six of eight to finish seven and nine. That saved Dan Quinn's job. This year, they were three and seven and now there's, uh, but they've won two of their last three or they actually won three of their last four, four and two under Raheem Morris. That's right. So again, if it doesn't matter, the, the Falcons are your team. And, so and that's are, why they're dangerous. That's why if you're the Buccaneers, you gotta be a little worried because you have to play them twice. Yeah. They're giving up just 20 points per game since Raheem Morris took over and uh, have cut their yards down by 100 that they're surrendering to opponents. 11 takeaways in those six games versus five in Dan Quinn's five games. Raheem Morris going to get a – Raheem Morris needs a long look from somebody in this in this league. In I our just league. explained to you, it does not matter because once the games don't count, the Falcons show up. So I think you open up the coaching search. I'm saying that somebody, if like – whether it's the Bears or whoever it is, needs to look at the Lions. Look at Raheem Morris. He's a good coach. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but like Ryan's saying, then he gets hired by the Falcons, which is a curse in itself because then he starts 0-6 next season. Uh, and then, you know, and then they go 2 and whatever down the stretch and finish 8-8. Eight and eight. You would, of that's, course, that's always, just Falcons football. If you're an interim coach, you would always take the head coaching position if it was offered to you the following year. But you might be better off not doing that. Uh, the, yes. Raiders, the Raiders are going to miss the playoffs, right? They're in trouble. They are in trouble. Six they are in trouble. But they play the Jets, so maybe they get the seven wins. They, they have all very winnable games, but it's the Raiders, so you could see them losing literally any one of these games, including the Jets game. Yeah, they're a very high-variance team. Packers 41, Bears 25, the Sunday night affair not nearly as close as the score would indicate. It should not, the Bears should almost have a chance to get the ball back and go backdoor cover. That should not have been a thing. The Packers minus seven and a half covers the over 44 and a half hits easily. Aaron Rodgers, a fantastic game, uh, 33 fantasy points. Mitchell Trubisky, 24 fantasy points. David Montgomery, 20 fantasy points. Are we, is this the game that got, gets, uh, Matt Nagy fired? Yes. I think. Yeah, I think we had the same conversation that the Jaguars had. I think you started a little higher. Well, I think Ryan Pace is probably toast too. Well, why would Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy didn't draft 
I don't think he did, right? Did he come after? If you're firing Pace, you got to fire Nagy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Nagy doesn't do anything for me, but I don't know if he. Let me put it this way: Who can fix? If Mitch Trubisky played for the Chiefs, he would look exactly the same, and the Chiefs would be a four-win team. Is my point? Uh, well, I would. I disagree with that. Which which part? I think Andy Reid would be getting a lot out of Mitch Trubisky. Why? All right, Ryan. Here is why you get rid of Matt Nagy. He's never won a game off the bye. He's reverse Andy Reid. Okay, fair enough. But I mean, do you think that Andy Reid's getting a lot more out of Mitch Trubisky? Yeah. Yes. What, what, you... I, what gives you that sense? Like, what the, have you seen from Mr. Trubisky? Thirty years of Andy Reid coaching. If you can't hit the broadside of a barn, it doesn't matter who your coach is. How many inaccurate quarterbacks has Andy Reid had and been successful with? I mean, do we have to go down the list of 2009 to 2012 list. Eagles? Step in here and explain to Ryan. He's lost his mind. I, I'm somewhere in between. Where where are they at if they have Mitch Trubisky, Will, with Andy Reid? I mean, they're not, they don't have a Super Bowl. They're not coming off a Super Bowl. Oh, this season. Have you played this season? Oh. It'd be a four-win team. You said now. That's crazy. They're 10-1 and one right now. Five wins with Trubisky? Oh, my bad. I was off by one game. I, I think they're a seven and three team. You're crazy. You're smoking crack. Okay. Butt crack. Did you say I'm smoking butt crack? <laughs> you didn't say that when you were little? <laughs> I mean, I fully believe in the power of Andy Reid. Like Donovan McNabb had stretches of inaccuracy and, and Andy Reid definitely boosted his career. He won a game with Kevin Donovan Cole and, and Kevin Cobb in 2009. Yeah. What are we talking about here? You guys, won a game with Chase so, Daniel in 2013. You said you said a game. Brentson said they would have that's seven. The, that's the only game these people started. <laughs> the jet, look, the the Bears are five and six now. They are in free fall. On October 26th, the Bears were the number one seed in the NFC. Yeah, no, you were antagonizing Sean and others about that. Now they are very much on the outside looking out on the playoffs. They're not going to the playoffs. They're not going to win another. Game. I mean, I've been saying that for. Weeks and months. Can't win without a quarterback. Although the guy they have. Ryan, you don't think they're going to win another game? They still have to play Detroit and Jacksonville. Detroit just got rid of Matt Patricia. And Jacksonville has Mike Lennon. Here's your, like, this team has got, this team has some weapons. Who is going to get them the ball? Khalil Mack is a weapon. Roquan Smith is a weapon. Allen Robinson's a stud. What planet are you two on? Have you seen, did you see Mr. Trubisky play today? He threw Mitchell Trubisky is not going to win any. Yeah, he's not a good quarterback. Yeah. No one disputes he's, that. He's, no he's one's disputing that. Yeah, well, what are you talking about? They have good weapons. They're they're a terrible football team. So what if they have good weapons? No one can throw in the ball. He spent the first year of his career having John Fox teach him offense. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was sitting on the bench. Where are you going with this point? I don't know what we're arguing here. I mean, your, your, your Chiefs thing is just ridiculous. Just sidetrack the whole discussion. So what's going to happen with the Bears after the season? It's ridiculous. They're a four-win team with Mr. Bisky and can't. That's not even our, that's not point. We're they have let, so Andy Reid wins less games with Mr. Bisky than, than Matt Nake. With Matt Nagy, it's not, I think you meant like with Matt Nagy as the Chiefs quarterback. No, he moved, he went on Nick Foles. That's how much he loved Mr. Bisky. What are you talking about? Okay. What happens to the Bears after the season? <laughs> you clean house. I think it's a clean house. Yeah. Except, you know, in your case, you keep you keep, you extend Mr. Bisky, but everyone else cleans the house. What are you talking about? I mean, Matt Nagy is definitely above five hundred still. What do you? He's five and six. What are you talking about? Uh, for his for his, his career with uh, 
Bears. Oh, who cares? You've gotten, you've got, you're so defensive now that you, I mean, he's, he is seven games above 500 for his career with the Bears. Cause he went 12. I feel and like, four. am I talking? I feel like I'm talking. He has regressed every year. He's gotten way worse every year. Like we started this conversation by saying Matt Nagy should be fired. And I was the one that said, well, I think we should start at the top. And now it's me defending Matt Nagy. I, I don't even know. Brenton, you do, you do a drug test. <laughs> what are you talking about? Ryan Pace, they should fire both Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and just move on and reboot it. That's yeah. what they should do. I don't know if they will do it. The problem is they, they have like a middle of the first round picks. So they're not going to be able to get anyone. I don't see how you give Ryan Pace another chance to hire a coach. Uh, I wouldn't, but did he hire John Fox or was John Fox already there? I think he hired John Fox. He couldn't have. Been. Fox is only there one year, right? I can't remember. I totally forgotten they get they. Get That's it. why we need our resident Bears expert, uh, Bleep. Uh, Fox is there bleep, multiple years because he was um, he's there three years. Sorry. So yeah, so Pace came in after Fox had been hired because I think Phil Emery hired John Fox. Yeah. Uh, Rod, right, who cares? About Pace that? came in in 2015, and so did Fox. All right. So they came in together. Right. It's time to go for Ryan Pace. And yep. I think he's just collateral damage. Why are we wasting our time talking about this fraudulent clown Bears team? I've been t- I told y'all Bears fans for weeks. Some of y'all knew what you were talking about. Some of y'all listened. This team is fraudulent. You're coming after me. You're coming after my family. You're coming after Lock and Forest family, his dog, trying to get riled up on Twitter, saying that the Bears are legit and that we will be taking it on the chin every time the Bears win. I'm about to spend the evening after we done with this podcast hunting down those goobers in my DMs who said stuff to me. I'm going to remind you that the Bears are now five and six. You're frauds. It's over. It's over. Is Aaron Rodgers at five to one uh, worthy of a stab for MVP? Yep. Ooh, why? You think so? What do you mean? Yeah, he's balling out. He wasn't second on your ballot last week, Ryan. Because that was last week, wasn't it, John? He was second on my ballot. I love that Breach ducks on someone. <laughs> and his, his first reaction For is... For second place. <laughs> no, you start raising the roof like it's 1993. Yeah, but you can only see that on the YouTube special. There you go. It's not actually the specials every week. Are the Packers the one seed? Yeah. Because if you look at the schedules, that's why the pa- the uh, Packers don't have to play anyone, and the Saints have to host the Chiefs. Saints aren't being the Chiefs, and you I, don't I, mean, know- I feel like the Packers they still have to play the Titans. I don't think that's a lock. So better chance they beat the Titans, then I think uh, you don't know what the situation is with the quarterback in, in New Orleans having to play Patrick Mahomes. That's true, but then you just tie them if they both and- only. Well, if you if they both have the same record, the Packers have head to head. Exactly. That's true. And I think the Saints would much prefer they don't want to go to to Lambeau to play in cold weather, especially with Drew Brees. You don't know what condition again he's going to be in while playing in New Orleans is probably be a little easier, especially with no crowd if you're Drew Brees. I'm mean, sorry, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Ryan, I'll agree. Packers one seed. You heard it here first. There you go. Um... I know Brent's going to say the Bears are going to win it all, but go ahead. I was making fun of a Bears fan on Twitter. That, that little dude that tweeted out there. Oh, you mean the tweet I dropped in Slack? No uh-huh. Hey, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> um, I'll take the Saints. But, yeah, sure, there's a good argument for the Packers winning it. I, are the, are the, can the Packers win the Super Bowl? I can. 
Houston's Houston. playing better. They're they're young, um, on the front and on the back end, but they're they're getting better. Uh, you know, one thing that would help them is uh, Will Fuller, but apparently Aaron Rodgers feels yeah. differently. All right, moving along to the next. Game. <laughs> moving along to the next game. Why there's so many stupid games left? Patriots 20, Cardinals 17. The Patriots cover as home dogs the under 15 and a half. <laughs> Laughably easy. Kenny, Kenny Drake is your top fantasy performer. Two rushing touchdowns. A game winning kick for Nick Falk to, uh, to give the Patriots some life. No, no life for them. And, you know, I made fun of you guys about the Vikings thing. I don't know if the Vikings are going to make the playoffs, but the Cardinals need to get their act together. Yeah. Cardinals. I think the Cardinals and Breach and I talked about this in the early lines. Look ahead. I think they're going to get curb stomped by the Rams. Ah, I don't. You guys have a lot more confidence in the Rams than I do. I don't know what Rams defense is such a bad matchup for Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins. Fair enough. And Sean McVay has never lost to the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean all those things I can buy. I'm just not the, the Rams just don't do much for me because Derek Goff. That's the only reason why. I agree about the defense and you know I, I mean, love up and I love Robert Woods and all that, but. Jared Goff is the NFC Derek Carr. We're just one week you're like, oh my God, how does this guy have a job? And the next week you're like, oh my God, they could get to the Super Bowl with him. It just, it flip flops every single week. Uh, and Sean McVay, oh, we're talking about the Cardinals. So I won't talk about Sean McVay right now. Uh, but I, I will say about the Cardinals real quick is that it seemed like Kyler Murray was very timid in this game. We saw it last week after he suffered a shoulder injury where he kind of hesitated to run the ball and it felt that same way here. And if Kyler Murray isn't running the ball or isn't looking to run the ball as often he's usually does, that's a whole dynamic their offense loses. And they're, yeah, they're not as good. So Wilson, I think you and I actually both picked the Patriots to win here. And my reason for that is because I thought Kyler Murray might still play, be a little hesitant about running the ball because he didn't want to get that shoulder seriously injured. And that's what it looked like. He was a very pedestrian quarterback in this game. Uh, and if I'm a Cardinals fan, I am very, very concerned about their chances of making the playoffs. And by the way, I don't know if you mentioned it, Brinson, but uh, to re- reiterate what I said earlier, Cam Newton had Taysom Hill numbers, 9 of 18, 84 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. Uh, he, had, he ran for 46 yards, which uh, including that run in the end there. Did? Oh my God, I lost that prop. Oh, I thought I won that. Oh, anyway, he ran 46 yards, including the, the run at the end there where Isaiah Simmons hit him borderline out of bounds, but he went down pretty hard to set up the game winning kick. I, I did, I think that was the sequence, but yeah, uh, the, the Patriots ain't going anywhere, but the, the Cardinals need to wake up or, or get healthy or whatever the reason is, or they're not going to be going anywhere either. Yeah. Cardinals now six and five. They're number seven. It's hard to imagine they would have missed the playoffs. I mean, the good news for them is that. The only team that can, the only two teams that can catch them. Well, three teams. San Francisco. That's the team you have to worry about, I think. Yes. Minnesota. And the Vikings. Too. I think the Vikings are a team you have to worry about. Yeah. The Vikings lost last week. Did they lose you last week that we couldn't believe? The Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, come okay. on. Just beat the Cowboys and you are in Gold. position to steal it. Yeah. But the, Vikings. the, the Cardinals lost to the Lions, the Panthers. They've got some. That's why they got problems. But I feel like Murray is like, I, he's, he's dazzling. His highs are really high and his lows are. And by the way, the tiebreaker for me is the coach. So who are you taking? Mike Zimmer, Kyle Shanahan, or Kirk, uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury? Kyle Shanahan. Right. Is Kyle this Shanahan for like hosting The Bachelor or like going to the playoffs? How many oh. games? Well, well, uh, so let's see. What is the Cardinals, Cardinals schedule? They have the Rams twice, right? Yes. They have the Rams, Rams twice. twice. 49ers once and then Giants and Eagles. Are they going to finish eight and eight? Yeah. What the 49ers have, Breach? You looking at it? 
Uh, 49ers have the Bills on Monday Night Football in Week 13. And then they have Washington, Dallas, Arizona, and Seattle. Well, let's give the, the 49ers because they uh, they pulled off a huge upset. But we all, we all agree the, the Patriots aren't getting back in it, right? No, they're not. Yeah, too much. Too much uphill. Um, the uh, By the way, the odds for the division. Seahawks minus 160, Rams plus 160, Cardinals 11 to 1, 49ers 40 to 1. The 49ers pulled off a massive upset of the Los Angeles Rams 23 to 20 in San Francisco. You know, in Los Angeles, because you can't play football in San Francisco these days. The 49ers want to finish their games, finish the season without, more than likely without playing any more home games. They have to play in Arizona. Santa Clara uh, County won't allow them to play their home games. Debo Samuel, after being mocked by Aaron Donald this past week, went off 11 catches, 133 yards um, from Nick Mullins, who had a okay day. Raheem Mostert rushed for a touchdown. Uh, it was really the defense that just completely locked down Jared Goff here. And well, Jared Goff was throwing moon balls to Richard Sherman. Didn't help either. Yeah. Talk about bad interceptions this week. That was one of the worst interceptions I've seen in quite a while. I say that every week, but that was a bad pick. Terrible. Um, are the four, the four nineers are back in it. This game flipped everything. That's why I struggled to get on the Rams bandwagon because of Jerry Goff. That's where I'm at. And again, I feel much better head to head. I love Kyle Shanahan even versus Sean McVay. Absolutely. It's wild that the Rams beat the Bucks. On Monday, and then Why? just come out, and then come out and do this. That's what the, it's that, a what, short week. You had to fly across country to get back home. I mean, they got curb stomped by the the Dolphins. You just don't know which team's showing up. That's yeah. the, that's the whole point, right? It's it's concerning. It's wildly concerning. Now the Rams are seven and four, so they're probably in good shape. Yeah, there's no way they don't make the playoffs. And they also have the Cardinals, Patriots, Jets. Seahawks and Cardinals again. I think they will beat the Cardinals. I think they'll sweep the Cardinals. I really do. That's bad for the Cardinals. Bad for the Cardinals. The 49ers schedule, as Breach pointed out, Bills, Washington, Cowboys, Cardinals, Seahawks. What does the playoff picture in your mind look like in the NFC? Uh, We're assuming in this scenario that Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans all get in. And somebody comes in from the NFC East. What does the, what do the wild cards look like? You know what? I mean, we're talking about the Vikings a little bit later. They have not impressed me the last few weeks. They lost to the Cowboys and they struggled to win the game on Sunday that we'll talk about. I, I'm sort of leaning towards the 49ers. The Cardinals, we seem to be really concerned about for, for obvious reasons. But I think if any team is going to surge, it ain't going to be the bear, uh, the bears who are in the mix in that conversation on the outside looking in. Uh, I'm gonna go with the 49ers. It would be high comedy if the Lions at four and seven somehow make their way to the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, that ain't happening, I don't think. Yeah, I agree with Ryan. I think the 49ers seem like the, the, that seventh spot. I feel like all of us feel like the top six spots are probably not a lock, but pretty close to it. And so you have that seventh spot and you have the Cardinals, Vikings, 49ers, and and not the Bears, as we said, because the Bears aren't going to win any more games. Or maybe win one more game, go 6-10 and 10 if they're lucky. Uh, I, I feel like the 49ers are probably the best option there, too, because you look at the Vikings. The Vikings have to play the Buccaneers. They still have to play the Saints. And if they somehow win both of those games, uh, I, I just can't see them getting more than eight wins. I think the Vikings probably finish 8-8. Eight and eight. So it's 49ers or Cardinals. I'm going to go with the 49ers. 
49ers get the Bills at home on Monday night, or I guess the Bills in Arizona. I keep forgetting that. Um, on Monday night, that's just feels like a game where Kyle Shanahan's going to coach something up and they're going to steal that game as, as a, as a three point dog. Should the 49ers petition the NFL to, to make the Bills fly around for an extra hour and a half? So it simulates flying all the way to San Francisco so they get the advantage of the travel. Good idea. Uh, I think they could take Washington, obviously. I mean, like, well, <laughs> well, I would just say, like, it's not, I mean, like, that's a coin, that's a toss up game, but they can handle big, bigger business. They should slaughter the Cowboys. Wait a second. Like, you're, like, it's a toss up with the football team, but it's, it's a slaughtering of the Cowboys. Okay, I don't think Nick Mullins is going to definitely, like, obliterate the Washington. That's true. The defense. Okay. I was thinking yeah. more like that. Well, and that's the other, that's the wild card is that Nick Mullins, you don't know what you're going to get from week yeah. to week. Like, some weeks he looks good. He, uh, uh, Jimmy, Kittle, Jimmy, Jimmy Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle can kind of come back. Yeah. If you, if you're, if you're live for the, for the fantasy playoffs and somebody dropped George Kittle, go grab him. Stash him on IR. If the 49ers rebound and make the playoffs with Nick Mullins, then you that, trade. You, then you trade for Matthew Stafford. Now, Kyle Shanahan, coach of the year. That's a lesson. Right? I was going to say, what does that mean for Jimmy Garoppolo? It means exactly what you think it means. Trade for Matthew Stafford. I love it. Um, they they can easily win four of their last five games. Not easily, but they, as Breach noted, we like their chances. But if if they win four of their next five games. And they finished nine and seven. They're in. They're probably getting in. Crazy. All right. Vikings, Panthers. You mentioned the Vikings as a possible other team to sneak into the playoffs. I don't know how the Panthers lost this game. And this I quit comes, watching. This comes a week after the Vikings lost to the Cowboys. The Vikings should have lost this game. They were down. Uh, Carolina had the ball on Minnesota's three yard line. First he missed a wide open. Why? And DJ Moore got hurt. But even still, if Teddy hits the, who was it? Who did he miss the pass to? DJ Moore. He got him hurt. Oh, he got hurt in the process. Got pass is so bad. He missed him and he got hurt. And then they couldn't get in. They kick a field goal, Joey side field goal. Vikings go down, score, go ahead, touchdown. It's crazy. I have no idea how that happened. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Vikings got lucky, took, took advantage of the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I didn't watch a lot of it. 34 for 45, 307, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That, Looks good on paper. I don't know if he if he actually played that well. Yeah, he played pretty good. I mean, no Adam Thielen in that game. Dalvin Cook got banged up. Uh, the Panthers did a great job uh, stopping him from running the football. And Justin Jefferson, thirteen catches, seven catches on thirteen targets. He that kid is such a. Stop. I think that Justin Jefferson could be uh, in the conversation for offensive rookie of the year and maybe end up winning it because we've seen Justin Herbert kind of regress. Who would have thought it'd be two guys named Justin? Uh, but we've seen Herbert kind of regress over the past couple of weeks and Justin Jefferson has been the best receiver. I mean, he was so good in this game. Uh, he brought the, the one touchdown he scored, the second touchdown he scored, cut the lead to 24 21. It was a much needed touchdown. And the other thing, the Vikings defense actually played really well here. Um, you know, the Panthers scored 27, but two of those touchdowns came from Jeremy Chin, who became the first player in NFL history to score a defensive touchdown on consecutive plays. Snaps. Uh, consecutive snaps. That was literally the craziest thing that happened this game. Kirk Cousins fumbled. Jeremy Chin returned it 17 yards for a touchdown. Uh, Panthers kick off. Next offensive play for the Vikings, Dalvin Cook fumbles. Jeremy Chin returns it 28 yards for a touchdown. Boom, all of a sudden a 10-7 
game at halftime where the Vikings were leading is now the Panthers leading 21 to 10 and their offense hadn't even stepped on the field in the second half. I mean, just, it was total craziness. The Panthers had a field goal blocked and Joey Sly just shanked a potential game winning field goal. Like I've never seen in my entire life, uh, from 54 yards out. Yeah, at least it was. At least it wasn't like a twenty-five yarder. Is uh, sure. is Jeremy Chen the defensive player, of the defensive rookie of the year? Yeah, I think they should make the argument. Conversation. I mean, he's in there, but that defense stinks. So that's just Carolina's defense. Puts, yeah, they're playing better, but they're. I mean, yeah, they held Dalvin Cook to sixty-one yards. Yeah. Okay, well, that can be as part of his acceptance speech. He scored two touchdowns in back-to-back plays. Yeah, I know that, but it's not. No it, player in NFL history had ever done that, Ryan. He'll not, definitely be. Young mofo. He'll be, he'll definitely be defensive player of the week, but I don't know if you want to give him the whole award just for one game. I'm just saying he's been really good this year. I do. You know, it's I want very to give disrespectful, him for one game. Disrespectful of Breach, not to mention Chase Claypool is 10 touchdowns as rookie of the year, but whatever. Uh, did Chase Claypool do anything yes. that no player in NFL history has ever done? Like Justin Jefferson didn't do? That you just pimped well, I was talking about Jeremy Chin. That's right. Oh, yeah. Brian Thank you, Kevin Harlan. Uh, right. Yeah, so the Vikings not dead. They have the Jaguars next week. Where's that game? In Jacksonville. They're gonna lose it. I'm calling it now. Don't, pound don't the Jaguars. It. Don't don't pound the Jaguars. <laughs> Everybody who listens to this podcast and takes Ryan's tips, they're gonna be living out like in a, an alley somewhere with an I hate Ryan Wilson T-shirt. I suggest the Jaguars win. Who else? Pound the, the Jags and the Jacks. <laughs> Bears, Saints, Lions. Have to think that three and two is the best the Vikings can do. Yeah. I think four and one's the best. Well, I mean, five and oh is the best, but I think. No, they're not going five and oh. That's not possible. It's not happening. Probably. I still think I, I like, I, I don't know what the playoff odds are, if they're updated or whatever, but I think the 49ers might have better playoff odds. Just sort of gut feeling it. Wins over well, so the Vikings, I mean, you got to think the nine wins. I think the Viking, the 49ers have a better chance of winning four games than the Vikings. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Also for, um, San Francisco, one of their wins is again, would be against, in theory, a team that they're trying to catch. Right. And that's a, that's a huge benefit. So yeah, I, I mean, I think San Francisco, if I were picking the, the, the seeds right now in the NFC, I think I would actually have the Rams win the division. And I'd have Seattle, Tampa Bay, San Francisco as my wild card. I don't understand that. All right. Crazy. Uh, all right. Let's move along to the next game. Is there one left? Is it the Bungles? Left. It's a terrible game. Giants 19, Bengals 17. The Bengals cover the six and a half under 45 hit. Obviously, Wayne Gallman, fantasy player of the week. Daniel Jones lost to what I think is being called a hamstring injury, maybe? Yeah, the hamstring is what they said during the game. He got it wrapped. He tried to come back out. And as someone who has strained their hamstring on several occasions, that ain't, if, it, if it's severe enough, you ain't coming back out. And he came back out and limped right back off. So, like, honestly, if I had to guess, this is just You cannot believe the Giants put it back out there. <laughs> That's true. That's actually the most. And the initial report on uh, Jones's hamstring is that it's pretty bad. That's from ESPN.com. No, that's, that's that's the lead. Like I just me not being a doctor, but knowing how these things work, four weeks, I feel like minimum. Like a lot would have to go well for him to be like out there in three games. I mean, it's weird because they're in the playoff hunt. Not as anymore. His team. Eh. They're not winning with Colt McCoy Ryan. But I'm saying, like, it's weird. You're in the playoff hunt. Do you want to force Daniel Jones out there? I mean, he can't walk. I mean, he will not be able to do, and he's the team's leading rusher. He can't, 
never mind run. He can't walk. So there goes yeah. bad offensive line. Rookie quarterback. Again, this is just me speculating on when he can return because I'm not a doctor. But if it's a hamstring and it's severe, those things typically take a while. I I I think this is probably Colt McCoy, Colt McCoy, Wayne Gallman, and uh, Jason Garrett taking you down the home stretch. <laughs> yes, that's great news for Debo. <laughs> yeah, Debo, uh, how are you feeling about this division right now? Same as I felt all year. Great. <laughs> your, your optimism is. Uh, and also bad news for Ryan because he has to yeah. lose twenty dollars because Giants Ooh. aren't winning the division. Guys, hey, you guys are sleeping on Colt McCoy. That's all I'm saying. Oh, just Colt McCoy is not even sleeping on Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy, Wayne Gallman, and Jason Garrett. Those are your horses, Ryan. Bring it on. Um, I'll just say real quick that this game was absolutely crazy. The Giants should have won like fifty-one to three. And they just kept letting the Bengals hang around. Uh, seven of the Bengals, 17 points came on a 103 yard kickoff return from Brandon Wilson, which is the longest play in franchise history. And look, this game was 19 to 10 with under three minutes left. You're up by three scores, Giants. No reason you should lose. The Bengals had one offensive drive this entire game and it came with under, <laughs> it came with under, uh, Three minutes left, and Brandon Allen led them down. They scored a touchdown. All of a sudden, it's nineteen to seventeen. The Just Giants go over the terrible DPI call in the end zone. Okay, well, we don't need to talk about ref calls in this game. Do you really want to like debate <laughs> terrible DPI calls in the Giants Bengals game? Uh, and then the Giants punt, and the Bengals get the ball back, and the Giants almost lost on the punt return. Uh, the Bengals return. Alex Harrison returns at twenty nine yards. Like two steps away from housing this for a touchdown. And, and that would be a total Giants move to lose on two special teams touchdowns, but it didn't happen. They tackled him at the 50 and then Brandon Allen, Joe Burrow's backup Did fumbled it. In the hot seat, they lose to the Bengals on two special teams touchdowns. I would say huh? that's pretty bad if you're a special teams, uh, <laughs> like Bill Belichick's former special teams coordinator and you can't handle like stopping the Bengals who just are, I don't, I don't recall having ever done very much on special teams in the entire, like it season. is. Ironic that as many hits as Daniel Jones takes, the one hit he gets hurt on is like him falling down and sort of ripping his hamstring. He wasn't even really hit on the play. That's right. It was part. weird because I, I was trying to figure out, okay, how to get hurt. Um, and then they, you know, this is the hamstring and he looked horrible when he hobbled off after coming back in for that one play. Yeah. So Wilson, I, uh, yeah. So Wilson, that was the kick return. Yeah. They hadn't, the Bengals did nothing yardage wise. I mean, yeah. Cause the Giants marched down the field and scored. I don't remember what the touchdown was. It was a nice touchdown and then immediately. It was seven seven. The Bengals had 155 yards of total offense and almost won this game. So that would have been like the Broncos almost winning. It was the, that equivalent. That's how bad the Bengals offense was. And you know who started? Brandon Allen was that quarterback, not Brinson's boy, Ryan Finley, because he got benched before he actually even got the job. Wow. Congratulations, Sorry, Brandon Allen, for orchestrating a terrible offensive attack against the Giants. Let's get to winners and losers. Uh, Wilson, you want to start or you want Bruce to start? I'll start. My winner... San Francisco 49ers. They're back in it, baby. We just laid out the reasons they have a really good chance to, to, um, replace the Cardinals as the seventh seed. Um, a lot of things have to go right over the next month, but, um, they're in, in much better shape than they were 24 hours ago. Um, who's your winner, Brenton? You don't have one ready. Brandon Allen. My winner is the Tennessee Titans. I was going to see if you stole it because mine was going to be the 49ers too, but Titans were my backup winner. <laughs> uh, Jeez, I mean, I we saw what the Titans did. This was their, if they lose this game, there was no way they had any shot of winning 
the AFC South. But now not only can they win the division, you can get up there and get uh, the second or third seed. And as I said earlier, I think one of the two best teams in the division, and they look unstoppable. Just feed Derrick Henry, feed Derrick Henry, feed Derrick Henry. Uh, my winner is Raheem Morris. 43-6 to over the Las Vegas Raiders, a potential playoff team. Raheem Morris has got this defense cooking. They are locking people down. They're playing a lot better. And I think he's going to inspire somebody, whether it's Arthur Blank or somebody else, to give him another shot as a head coach. We had, again, we had LeGarrette Blunt on the Twitch show on Fantasy Football Today. And he said that he thought Raheem was just too young at the time. He was 33 when he got hired by the Buccaneers um, in 2009, I believe. They ran him off too quickly. They replaced him with Greg Schiano. Uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on in Tampa Bay. It was a bad environment. He's matured. He's, he's coaching really well. And somebody needs to give him another chance. And I think he showed that as a big winner on Sunday. Your loser. Yeah, I agree. My loser is the team. They make Raheem Morris your winner, the Raiders. Uh, as we sort of noted, we don't – like that Derek Carr was the bad, bad, bad version of Derek Carr, which you hadn't seen much this year. You can't go to Atlanta and score six points. And now they have to face the Jets in New York, a team that blew their doors off a year ago, almost to the day, I think, by the time this game is played, maybe 51 weeks. So, yeah, and, and their their playoff chances are – are dwindling. So they, they got to figure some things out, figure them out quickly. Uh, where are they in the playoff race? They are two, two spots out looking in at number seven, Indianapolis. So they're not in good, good shape. Uh, my loser is also a team that's not in good shape. It is the Arizona Cardinals. I have no idea what's going on out there anymore. I don't know. Uh, look, this team was six and three. They seemed like a shoe in to get to the playoffs and now they're just in a total free fall. They lost to a Patriots team. They had no business losing to. I don't know what, if it's Kyler Murray's the person we blame, if Cl- Cliff Kingsbury is the person we blame, but this was an absolutely ugly loss. There was a goal line stand there at the one yard line with under 15 seconds left in the first half. All you had to do is punch it in from one yard out. You have Kyler Murray's your quarterback. That should be easy. They could not do it. Uh, and now you got to worry about them making the playoffs. And, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> uh, my loser is the Bears. No, we already ran it on. Probably should have saved the rant for right now. But look, you're five and one. You are the number one seed on October 26th. You are five and one, the number one seed in the NFC. You are tracking to have a buy in the playoffs. You are look like an absolute mortal lock to make the postseason two out of three years. Or is it be three out of three years under Matt Nagy? Two out of three years, right? And you're talking about firing the guy. Or is it three out of three? Did he make it last year? No, they went eight and eight last year. They missed it last year. Oh, that's right. They lost to the Eagles on the, on the, the yeah, the Nick Foles thing. Uh, anyway, two out of three years, you're going to be in good shape and you just can't stop losing football games and Bears fans. Peacocking around in October. It's not a marathon, boys. It's not a sprint, boys. It's a marathon. You gotta learn. You gotta learn how to win. You gotta learn how to be there, how to be a winner. You can't just magically show up, go five and one with a bunch of fraudulent wins thanks to Nick Foles pulling a rabbit out of his ass and then expect that it's just going to keep going for 16 games. That's not how this works. You got lucky. You got bailed out by some weird, fluky stuff, and now you're paying the price for your cocky, bizarre behavior with your bushwhacker walking into stomping and all of that, Bears fans. 
You bet you're banged. You're screwed. You're Dan. You're finished. It's over. And to add to Brinson's point, here is your fun fact for the podcast. The Chicago Bears are just the second team in NFL history to lose five straight games after winning five of their first six to start the season. The By the other- way, the fun fact of the podcast was the Home Alone fun fact. You can't steal my fun fact with that. Oh, that, that was Ryan's fun fact. This is John's fun fact. This is a JFF. You had an RFF. Word. The only other team to do that to start off five and one and lose five straight is the 1967 San Francisco 49ers. As Anthony Miller points out, the stuff's embarrassing. Truth. I think he used a different word. Yeah. By the way, did y'all hear uh, the other thing about so Garrett Blunt? Um, you were so close to being done on time. So we're doing the we're doing the Twitch stream. Robbie comes walking up. He needs something. And I had the mic muted. And Robbie's like, "Oh, like he pops on." I was like, "All right, I'll mute." He goes, "Mamma mia," which is like a like a little Mario phrase that he's been saying. I was like, "Can you say hey to Mr. Legarrett?" He goes. More like, <laughs> hello, Poop Garrett. <laughs> he just called him Poop. Like, what? He is disrespectful. I know. It was, it was very Terrible weird. parenting. Well, nobody doubts that. That's Annabelle calls Wilson Poop Wilson. Love it, though. That's what Robbie calls. Yeah, we t- well, we taught Robbie to call Wilson Poop Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Old Poop Wilson. Stinky Wilson. What's up? All right, for Poop Wilson. <laughs> poop Wilson. Stinky leg breach. I will. See you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.